We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll be able to get your show pushed on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. He is straight from brunch the brunch god is in the building it is going to be a good show whenever there's endless mimosas in the system ain't no telling when this guy gets on the mic dre one real quick we got to start it off how was brunch one one to ten how was the spot you had today brunch man we went to two spots so uh yeah for those who don't know or who've listened to the show you do know i haven't really been anywhere since uh covid started so 
my wife and Shake from Two Dope Boys, uh, wife had connected on some they were doing here. And it's like, listen, we got to get our men out the house. And uh, Shake's been bike riding. I don't do anything. I just sit in the house all day. And uh, we agreed to, all right, fine. Fuck it. I'm going I'm to go to brunch. So we went to a spot called Public School, had bottomless mimosas. They have beer mimosas, which is a, they have a, uh, some kind of weird ale with the orange juice and some other shit. It was amazing. So we had Delicious. bottomless mimosas. Yeah, it was spectacular. So we went to public school. We drank bottomless mimosas for about three hours. And then we went downstairs. This is where shit got weird. Um, so we go downstairs and uh, we're trying to find another spot to drink. We're thinking, all right, we're already out in the wild. Fuck it. Let's go somewhere else to get somewhere, some more to drink. And there's a new spot in Vegas in downtown somewhere, which is like the, uh, it's like an outdoors mall. And I hear music and I hear Black Rob's woe playing. I'm like, oh, hold on. Rest in peace, Black Rob. What's going on? So we walk to this spot. There's a drummer. There's a violinist. There's dancers. There's a DJ. What the fuck is this? So I'm like, yo, I got my daughter with me. She's four. She can't go to this. So I walk up. And as soon as I walk in, I look. It's OJ motherfucking Simpson standing there taking pictures with people, eating brunch with like five white dudes. The juice is loose, baby. Orenthal. So I look at my wife and I was like, yo, OJ's in here. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, the juice is here. Because <laughs> Orenthal James Simpson lives somewhere around me. And goes to the same Costco that I go to. He's always taking videos from there. but he And he goes to this spot called Grape Street, where me and my wife used to go all the time to get our wine. And uh, so we saw him, and I was like, all right, I guess we got to go here. So I asked the, the, the hostess, I was like, yeah, hey, I got my four-year-old. She's like, don't trip. We got a table for five right here for you. What? All right, cool. So we go in, drinking old fashions. And uh, yeah, the juice is loose, taking pictures with mad people. I'm like, wow, we're in here with a murderer. This is amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm like, what a night. What a, what a day. We're having a day party. My daughter's dancing to like Dua Lipa and a bunch of other shit. And Ornthal James Simpson, Simpson is uh, taking pictures with people and like just kicking it. So yeah, that was my Sundays. My, my first day really out in the wild. I've had like brunch like once. This is like me and the wife. But this is my first time. This is the first time I've seen anybody outside of my family since March of last year. So it was, yeah. it was a good day. The restaurants, credit to Vegas, like if you get off of the strip, the restaurants are handling it pretty well. Like I went to, I was up by your crib, uh, shout out to Shake, as you mentioned from two dope boys. Uh, his wife was uh, hooking up my stepdaughter with her hair. So she, my stepdaughter went to get her hair done by Shake's wife and uh, so it was like going to take like four hours because people don't know Shake, but his wife is like incredible with hair coloring and styling. So my stepdaughter wants like purple and reds and wild shit in her hair. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Uh, she's graduating in a month from high school. I was like, yo, listen, you're 18. I'll let you color your hair, whatever you want. As long as you don't do it here at home in the sink with like Kool-Aid. So ponied up the dough, took her there, and I had nothing to do. I was all the way by your crib. And I was like, yo, I hit you up real quick on the text. Where do I grab brunch? You were on it. Two seconds. <laughs> Sent me the recommendation, went, ate. Spot was good. Uh, your go-to on the menu was not served because they only do that on weekend brunch. But still, still good. Had fun over there. So you truly are the brunch 
God. So it's nice to see you back out there enjoying brunch, having your, your mimosas just nonstop. It is, it is good. I still know in the back of my head that I owe you a brunch and a dinner. So don't worry about that. Now I know that time is coming soon. So oh, that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's fine by me. It's uh, way overdue with me paying on these bets because then once those bets are paid, I can then justify to my wife in making new bets. Yeah. So that's so what like, down my betting really is that I haven't paid out yet. So I'm on my Goldberg right now. So after I had this brunch, I was like, all right, cool. Kale, you're next. So uh, <laughs> you're next for brunch. So we're going to do this shit. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's uh, Vegas. If you get off of the strip and you find some other spots, you'll find some really good brunches, some really good food. And, you know, shout out to all the people who just learned about brunch. Cool. But now that you're on it, I'm not going to disrespect you. I'm just going to tell you. Find yourself a good brunch. Make sure it's bottomless. And yeah. make sure that it's... Like, don't pay, like, $40 for bottomless mimosas. Make sure you pay, like... Like, the tops you should pay is, like, $25. do not wild out, because they're going to give you, like, the cheap champagne. To to that. My phone... <laughs> my watch is like, what are you talking about? Oh. <laughs> she doesn't know how to respond hey, yo, she to not, <laughs> to not spending that money on mimosas. Yeah, so... Yeah, dead ass though. Like, don't spend like forty dollars on bottomless mimosas. Make sure you get some good food because the thing about brunch is the champagne is always not like top tier. It's like you're not going to get like well, unless you buy a hundred dollar bottle. But yeah, even then, right it's there. it's way overpriced, right? Like this shit is just crazy overpriced. Listen, guys, I hate you. <laughs> I'm just gonna be I'm gonna be real honest. So, um, this is not a flex, but it kind of is. So. Total Wine in Las Vegas has all like the great liquor. And I spent like, I, I spent like half a rack. Like I spent like $500 on liquor the other day. And then I went to Costco and spent like, they had a bottle of Perrier Julette for like, for it was like $100 off. It's still like $200, but I bought it. And I'm like, cool. And that's like good champagne. And me and my wife drank a bottle of champagne the other day. And we're like, yo, this is how much you pay. And you'll go to brunch and you'll get, like you'll spend like forty dollars for bottles, and they'll give you fucking cooks, which is like three dollars a bottle at the grocery <laughs> store. So like, if you're going going for the experience, because you're not gonna get the best champagne when you go to brunch. You, you're just not. You're gonna get decent champagne unless you go to like wine country. That's where you go. Like if you go to uh, Temecula, Napa, Sonoma, Sedona. I've been to all these places. They give you top tier champagne and wine. But if you go to like a regular place, like and you spend forty dollars, you're like, yo. This is great champagne. It's not. It's really not. And the champagne I had today, I know it wasn't great. But the fact was, is like, I wanted beer. Like I had a beer mosa. Like, they had, like, the house ale, the champagne, and a little bit of orange juice. And I was like, all right, cool. I had some chicken and waffles. Good money. It's an experience. But I, I'll be watching people out here like, yo, I had, like, I got a bottle. And I'm like, yo, you spent way too much for that bottle. You spent, like, that bottle ain't, it ain't worth it, dog. It ain't worth it. Be careful. Be so wary. <laughs> My weekend, and by the way, like you're like, oh, this is a minor flex. Dre's entire life is a flex. He just doesn't let any of you guys know it. Like he's way too modest, but his whole life is a flex. He was like, oh, I saw OJ Simpson. Yeah, it's because he lives literally like two minutes from OJ Simpson. He's like, oh, he lives around me. No, he's damn near near your neighbor because you guys share the same golf course. Man, listen. On the golf course every day, when I go to your crib, the golf course is right there. Like, you you act like you don't live right next to the golf course. So it's not like he's your neighbor. Oh, he lives somewhere around here. Like, yo, you you guys are neighbors. Like, so your flex is, like, very constricted. You have a lot of flexes. And also, 
his habit of spending money on very high priced liquors is why I'm always at Dre's crib for all major events. <laughs> because I will listen, I have no shame. One, my my liquor taste is very low. So when I mention this to Dre, he goes straight to the bar. He starts breaking out shit from the back. Some new joint he got. Like, yo, this bottle, the, the bottles have like a twist top. He get, damn near got to decant it. Like everything's incredible. And he's always like forcing these good liquors on me to like try to change my palate. So I, I love it. I'm always over there for major events and I will show up empty handed. I, I will, I'm the guy who will bring like, cake from wall not even walmart but like <laughs> like Stop. smith's or vaughn's or something be like yes here this is my house gift now where is that hundred dollar liquor that i could try <laughs> so uh, uh yeah no dre's crib is the best for this reason his bar is better than some of the bars we go to when we go to fights like we'll go to fights and go to like the whiskey bar at the MGM if anyone's ever been there and all the same. We'll go and they have the, you know, the shelves stocked behind. And you'll be like, oh, I just got that last week. And this is like a crazy bottle of liquor. I would like, I look on the menu, the shit's like $38 for one Moscow mule. And I'm just like, oh yeah, okay, I'm gonna try this when I get to your house because I'm not spending this money. Facts. Hey, listen, man, you once you learn. Everything's a market at the bar. Listen, I enjoy it. I go to the, I went to Cigar Bar uh, a few weeks ago and I had a, a glass of Glen Livet and it was like $38 for a glass of whiskey and I bought a bottle for like 60 And I'm like, yo, I just had a glass of this shit for like $38 and I bought a bottle of it for 60 It's like, it's crazy. And here, look, real talk. If you don't have a Costco card, like, if you're old and wise like me, get a Costco card. Because listen, I keep talking about this. I get a gallon of Crown Royal, Green Apple Crown Royal for like 40 bucks. And I get it like every month. I'm an alcoholic. I'm sorry. This is what I do. But I'm just saying, like, if you try to go buy this somewhere else, if you try to have a glass of this somewhere else, you're going to spend like $25. You're going to be pissed off. Get a whole bottle. Get a gallon for $40. This is not what this podcast is about. <laughs> I just took your advice, by the way. The wife just went. We decided to get some good vodka because uh, I yes. enjoy vodka sodas. So we find it very hard to get, uh, you know, I was, I was tired of buying like the $12 plastic jugs Please. of vodka. <laughs> I was, it was, it's a pandemic. Don't judge me, bro. Uh, so uh, she went and she got, I forgot what the hell the handle she got. Um, matter of fact, oh, Stoli, which Stoli, I really like Stoli. So um, she got Stoli and then one of Tito's and it cost maybe like, 22 bucks each for the the little handle joints and yeah she went to a costco to get it i was like oh was like, fucking dre was right costco was legendary it caught listen i told people about costco hey man you gotta be watched to go to costco all right two things costco has amazing pizza one yes. two they have spectacular cheesecake and i'm a cheesecake connoisseur i love cheesecake but they have an amazing cheesecake and then three their liquor is cheap their liquor is like it's just, it's discounted heavy. And I buy all my liquor from Costco and you get like super large bottles of liquor. Like I bought a bottle of Tito's. It was gigantic. I still have it. I haven't drank this whole thing. It was a gallon of Tito's. Yeah. That's definitely it. worth it. Definitely worth it. So now that everyone knows the bougie-ness of Dre and, uh, and then his other side, which is like being bougie, but on a frugal budget and going to Costco to get everything. Hopefully you guys learned something from that. You had mentioned that you are at brunch with OJ Simpson and they were playing Black Rob. So we have to touch on that. Black Rob passed away, 51 years old. 
And when this happened, it's like, damn, again, it was like oh, someone else, like it's so young. We just had DMX, this came on the heels of that. It's just, hip hop is a weird place where a lot of people happen to die young. A, a lot of our interests kind of merge that way, right? Like a lot of people die young in pro wrestling and then a lot of people die young in hip hop, like younger than you should. Yeah. Um, so that's always weird. So it's sad to hear these things when they happen. But it got me thinking, I was like, yo, Dre needs to start up his Where Are They Now show. We've talked about it several times on this podcast, but I really need this show. I know you got a million things going on or a podcast or whatever you wanted to do, but I'm thoroughly intrigued by what happens to people like late 90s rappers, early 2000s rappers after they stop being hot. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we'll start with Black Rob. One um, obviously, recipes Black Rod, 51 years old. Those who saw the video, he was in really bad shape. Uh, the brother had four strokes um, over the past, I believe, half decade. But he's been in and out of the system, too, which is one thing a lot of people don't really understand. It's not like he was on Bad Boy. And I'm not trying to save Diddy here, so calm down. For those of you who like, oh, no, 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 listen, Diddy's a fuckhead. But it is what it is. Um, but Black Rob has been in and out of jail for most of his life. So his his uh, his way of life was just never on point. You know, he drank a lot. He abused himself a little bit. Um, he had bad health. It's not like he made a ton of money. But then people are always like, well, where's Diddy at? And true, listen, people that Diddy's had, listen, Black Rob, Craig Mack, Biggie, all dead. Good. Shine, gone. 112 was struggling. Uh, you keep going on the list. Diddy has not really done right by his artists, but in this case of Black Rob, it's a little different. Because even if Diddy had done right by Black Rob, it's not like Woe was making spins in 2021. So it was not, not like he was making bread off of that. His life was very hard and difficult. And um, when you get older, especially as Black men, you deal because he dealt with high blood pressure, which is something that Black men deal with. Strokes, this, that, and the third. So, unfortunately, it all caught up with him. And, you know, 51 is young, and it's unfortunate. And with DMX dying at 50 and Black Rob dying at 51, we're in a tough place in hip-hop where we are seeing a lot of our, um, our, our I don't even want to call them all legends because we toss that word around a little bit too loosely, but those who, of us who have seen these artists in the industry and they're celebrities to us. They're bigger than life. Like, Woe was such a big single. And those who, the story about Woe was such a fascinating one because Woe was the last song that was done on that album, on the Life Story album. That album had been done for like a year and a half and Buck Wild came through and was like, oh, Rob, I got this joint for you. And he, they did Woe and they premiered Woe with the Tunnel. And then the label was like, Bad Boy and Arista was like, yo, we can take off of this album now because if anybody remembers that album, the album was actually really fucking good. That album was really good. But there was no song like Woe on it. Woe was something that just caught people by surprise. And it was a hood dude. It wasn't like, he wasn't like a mainstream guy. Like Rob was a grimy cat. Like that whole album, that Life Story album was a grimy ass album. You know, his verse on 24 Hours to Live, right? Ammo and Throwing Bottles. Like Black Rob was a grimy dude and he came up. And, um... You know, he made a good chunk of change off of that, but it wasn't enough, man. Like, a lot of people look at rappers and they think they were big, so why aren't they big forever? And that's just not how the industry works. Money runs out. Once you're done rapping, what are you going to do with your life? And Rob being in and out of the system, 
there was really nowhere for him to go. And when his health started failing him and everything else was going on, I mean, you got to think, Woe came out, what was that, like 2000, 2001? Yeah, yeah, That's 20, 20 years, ago. years ago. So a man can't eat off a song forever. Um, it's not really Diddy's responsibility anymore. Again, I'm kind of bailing the dude out, but I'm just being honest. Like he's that Rob's not his responsibility. He's got so much other shit going on. Rob had just been in a tough spot, and the fact that he's passed away is unfortunate. But it also speaks to the fact that black men, when we approach the age of 40s and 50s, we got to be careful with our health. The things that we did in the 20s are like really abusing ourselves and our lifestyle, like drinking a lot, whatever drugs you're using, it catches up to you. And when it catches up to you, if you don't have your health care right, if you're not really taking care of yourself, kind of fuck. Like, the, the, nature doesn't do well for Black people. So Rob passing away is unfortunate. It's a cautionary tale. It's like, it should be a cautionary tale, not for people to say, fuck Diddy, but it should be like, man, let me check on my health. I'm in my 30s. What am I doing? Am I getting my cholesterol checked? Am I getting my blood pressure checked? Are my lungs good? Take care of yourselves. Because mm-hmm. Rob was in terrible shape on the way out. So the, it's really unfortunate. Now, on the other side, you know, you talk about let's do this podcast. I love to do it because these are the stories I want to tell. Because all these artists, like you make a big song and you're big in the public eye. But once it's over, what do you do? And for the most part, once it's over, you disappear. But I want to tell their stories because some of our favorite artists from the 90s and the two, early 2000s, you think like the alcoholics, you think about, you know, like somebody like a Black Rob or Mark Curry was on Bad Boy for Life. Or you yep. think about all these R&B song- singers and you think about Drew Hill. I mean, obviously they had a show. You yeah. think about There's like, like half of them left, though. It's like or <clears throat> right. No, they lost one member in Drew Hill. 112 lost two. Yeah, so 112 is like 56 at this point. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, Unsung does a fantastic job. If you don't have TV One, find a way to watch Unsung. It does a fantastic job telling these stories. But I've always wanted to tell these stories these cats because the industry's not kind. It chews you up and spits you out. And it's not built for you to make a ton of money. And the artists that are still here today, it's surprising in a sense. You know, like I always talk about Royce. The fact that Royce is still here is a big success. He shouldn't be here. Rappers shouldn't be still rapping after 20 years and people still care what they have to say. So for those who don't, who especially had like mega singles, you know, like you look at a Mario Winers, you look at like, I mean, what what the fuck is D4L? I don't care who it is, D4L. What are they doing? Yeah. What is Mike Geronimo doing? What is is, peace to Shawty Lowe? Yeah. I don't know what what the other guy doing that did the stupid little leg kick. Like, (laughs) what is is Royal Flush doing? What is Mike Geronimo doing? What is... The yeah, rest of the DITC, flush. man, yeah. Royal Flush, Woo. what is he doing? These are stories I want to tell because I think if we are telling honest stories about these artists, I think it gives a clearer picture to the, not necessarily the youth because they don't give a fuck what happens, but it tells a story about how this industry isn't really built to make millionaires. It's really built to chew you up and spit you out. And when they're done with you, they're done with you. It's just the business. And Black Rob was part of a business. And he's gone and the industry will move on and then they'll play woe for the next week and a half and then nobody will remember it. It'll be over. So, you know, maybe maybe somebody will give me a little bit of money because, yo, chasing these artists down. Listen, 
<laughs> hunting down rappers is the hardest job in the world. It, there's nothing more difficult than that. But if I can get the opportunity to talk to some of these cats and just really tell the stories from start to finish, I'd love to do it. So we'll see. Yeah, man, sign me up. I can't wait to see something like that come together. But of course, you got a million other projects. And we do this show damn near two or three times a week. So I know time is limited, but man, what a great concept. Um, that takes me to, you know, artists and rappers and everything, what we saw this past weekend. And that is Triller dominating the boxing world, coming back. And we'll get into the event itself, Jake Paul, the performances, everything after the break. But before we head to the break, looking at this, and shout out to AJ Springer, Reverse Rap Pack, in the group chat, who said, Triller is the perfect platform for celebs to fight out all beefs now. Like, you can't even have Twitter beef, because they're like, yo, you want to fight? Like, we can actually do this shit and make money. Triller is that. Triller is the live action celebrity deathmatch from MTV. Hell yeah. I love this shit. We were, I was sports entertained. I'm assuming yes. you were too. Absolutely. A lot of people were upset. A lot of people were complaining. I don't oh, know what they thought they were going to get. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't shit me either. But it comes out to one of my favorite parts of all of our shows, our list. And what are three celeb fights you would want to see on Triller? Uh, they obviously got the money to make anything happen. Yeah, clearly. Like, this is not a sustainable <laughs> business model. Like... Yo, I'm I, yeah, before like when we really get into it, I'll talk about it. But Bieber, Black Keys, Sweetie, Doja Cat, Mount Westmore—that's just performances. Nobody's even fought yet. That's a lot of money. It's hard a to sustain that. It's hard to sustain that business model. They got a lot of dough. The performers probably got paid more than the entire UFC pay per view card on the Engano pay per view. Yeah, and, and I'm not even entirely sure how many, like, I see MMA people out there like, oh, well, how much did this add to the pay-per-view? I don't honestly know. It may not, like, each, nobody bought this pay-per-view for Sweetie, right? No. But I think you bought the pay-per-view for the fucking circus. And the circus is not just the clowns. The circus is the fucking bears in the little hats. The circus <laughs> is the gymnasts who do amazing shit. The circus is it's the entire presentation. And you have to buy into that entire presentation. You're not buying into one fighter, one fight, one individual. So Triller's doing something special. Now, as far as like celebrities, man, I want to make you go first because you put me on the spot. That always. Love, it's always the best way to do it. Um, I would love to see celebrities get punched in the face, but I gotta really think about this. So my my number one is bias and it's regional bias. And it's because I grew up in New York during this time. And I want to see 50 Cent and Ja Rule fight. Wow. That's and and 50 got the heel teeth. So I'm not sure he's willing to put those on the line. But um, if he's willing to chip a veneer, I would love to see him and Ja Rule throw hands. Because that's a beef that never ended. Like they're still petty to this day. Is yeah. it 21 years of a beef? 2000, 2001? 20 years of a beef, let's get it. I want to see that off rip. Give me that fight. Um, another one, a lot of my stuff is music related, but um, this is kind of a squash match. It's movie related. But all that shit that we heard Tyrese talk, I want to see Tyrese and The Rock throw down. They, they don't got enough money for The Rock, but Tyrese was no. talking big shit. 
I wouldn't mind seeing Tyrese get fucked up. It doesn't even got to be The Rock. He's talked shit to a lot of people. He's kind of an agitator by nature. So I would like to see Tyrese in their fight. Tyrese might secretly got hands. Perhaps. Perhaps he's not fucking up The Rock. So that's a squash match. But I really want to see that. And then my, my other one is Soldier Boy versus anybody. Because Soldier Boy is another one who pops mad shit. And I feel like he always says he can throw hands. There's videos of him training. I think I posted some on ringside of him hitting the bag. It was not impressive. He had once challenged Chris Brown to a fight, I think. Never came to fruition. Let's run that. There's now a platform for this type of shit. Let's do it. Mm. Celebrities punching each other in the face. See, immediately I thought of Bow Wow and Soldier Boy because... I was like, you know, whether they're friends or not, I just want to see them punch each other in the face. And I think they gas each other enough, enough, uh, uh, up enough that they would hate each other by fight night. That they would like legitimately like, fuck you, I hate your guts. And they would fight. Um, randomly, because I just can't get it out of my head, I would like to see LL Cool J fight Jamie Foxx. Just because <laughs> of their stand-up comedy. Um, you know, Jamie has talked very openly about LL not liking him. They've never settled that shit. Um, LL is LL's 50 now? Is he 50? Did they actually fight on any given Sunday? Like Yeah, in, like, they did. Uh, on set? <laughs> and Jamie talked about that on, on I Need Security stand-up. So the fact that Jamie has talked about it openly, you know, they're old and washed, but why the fuck not? Let's just go ahead and fight. Um, that's two. The third one, I, I don't know, man. I just kind of want to see somebody beat up Kanye West. And I just don't know who it would be. He don't even look like a fighter to me. <laughs> like, he don't. He don't. But, you know, just, you know, somebody slapped the mag out of him. Um, that would be, I mean, it'd be deserved. Yeah, it's it's earned. So, who knows? Uh, you know, let's, nah, he's, Mike Tyson's, you know, he don't really. No, much. Remy Ma versus um, Nikki? Nikki Minaj is something I would <laughs> really like to see. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I would. Remy be very- Ma might be plus. No, I mean, excuse me. Remy Ma might be at minus eight hundred. Yeah, Remy versus Nikki, and you know, yeah, Kim versus Foxy. Why not? What are they doing? Yeah. I know people would be like, well, "Yo, why would you do that to them?" Listen, it's fantasy booking. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. If they want to fight, let them fight. And if Foxy and Kim want to fight, it's something we thought about for many, many years. And people are gonna be like, "Oh, you're pitting women each- up against each other." I don't care. Getting right men now. against each other too. Listen, I'm yeah. here for all the shenanigans. I'm not Stephen A. Smith. We watch women fight all the time in our profession. They got yeah. gloves on. Let them throw hands. Why not? So yeah. So I'm with sure. all the shenanigans. Um, on, on a side note, it would be funny to see like celebs do a slap fight. Like, oh. give me Kim Kardashian versus. The Courtney Kardashian chick, they had like a brawl that went viral, not a brawl, they had like a little fight that went viral a couple years ago on Twitter. I guess it's from their show. I don't watch that shit. But give me a slap fight between those two. That sounds intriguing. Because I feel like those sisters just want to slap the shit out of each other all the time anyway. Listen, people, we can go to break after this. We can talk about the car. <laughs> people are very much, there, there's a certain group of people that really hated the Triller card last night. And I'm not necessarily saying that Triller is doing great things um, in terms of like, this is not a sustainable business model. It's kind of frustrating. Like, even when I watched the card, I was like, yeah, where are all the black people at? Right? Like, that, aside, yeah. from, 
Aside from Snoop, it was like, where the fuck are all the black people um, covering this? Because this is right up our alley. Like the Corner Podcast should be broadcasting live on site at Triller. Now, if it ain't us, there's other people that could do it too. No, fuck that. Um, we want the bag and we know people who know people. We know course. people that don't even got to know people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some, listen, we pre-show, post-show, we've been doing this shit for six years. Nobody's more qualified talking combat sports and hip hop, combat sports and music together. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's us. It's right up our alley. But ultimately, for those who didn't like the show and were like, oh, this is ruining boxing. No, boxing's ruining boxing. This isn't had nothing to do with that. Jake Paul is a YouTuber who has turned into a somewhat decent boxer. And, you know, people wanted to pay to see him fight. There's an entertainment aspect of fighting that he has tapped into and that Triller's tapped into by signing like a Jake Paul. And now they got a Tia Fimo. We'll talk about that as well. They picked up verses. Like they're doing, they're playing their cards right. And if you didn't like this card, good. You shouldn't have fucking watched it. Because if you watched it, you're part of the problem if you think this is a problem. Otherwise, shut the fuck up. I was sports entertained. I was very sports entertained. And this, look, look, you can still watch your, like I didn't even watch the Tony Harrison fight till this morning. Like I, I, UFC was in the background. I wanted to be sports entertained, but you can still watch what you want to watch. Just stop sitting on these people and act like they're ruining boxing and MMA. You know who's ruining boxing and MMA? The promoters. The sport itself is killing it. This has nothing to do with Jake Paul. Jake Paul didn't do anything to any of y'all. No. Tell Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford to fight. Tell the promoters to get the pony up their money and make this fight happen. That's yep. what's ruining boxing. And they would this. do pay-per-views as well, but they don't. They don't exactly. want to fight. They don't want to do the numbers. So listen, um, at least the UFC has that model correct. The fights are going to be the best versus the best. Yeah. And so don't bitch about it. If you were mad and you were like, oh, this is travesty. Look, man, it wasn't the perfect broadcast at all. Like there was some bullshit on this broadcast. There was more performances than fighting. But if you pay for it, whatever you did, I don't know who pay, how many people pay for it. I don't know, even know if anybody has truly, to be honest with you. But they're buzzy. Shout out to Fight TV. Yeah. Made it yeah. very accessible this time. A lot yeah, better love, than the last. Hey, I love Fight TV. Those are my folks. So the fact that they, they you know, Triller and Fight TV are together, that's great. Yep. But ultimately, like, there is nothing wrong with this. There, you know, we had Reese's program, Ivan Redcatch, who Ivan Redcatch will probably never get a fight again after what he pulled. Oh, um, listen, listen, let's hit the break then. So we yeah, can, get we can into talk it. about it. We yeah, because we're going to keep going. We're going to hit the break. Don't go anywhere. We're jumping right back into that because, again, Dre's – Dre's ready to talk. I'm ready to talk. This shit was crazy. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, as promised, we are back, jumping right back into it. Made you guys wait like a minute and a half, but we're right back on it. You were going through the card already, so we'll we'll start pulling up the card here in a second. But like you mentioned, it 
it doesn't hurt boxing in my mind at all. I, I compared it. I was on a good friend of mine, Carrington Harrison's radio show on CBS um, national over the weekend. And I told him, I was like, yo, this is the and one mixtape tour to the NBA. This isn't harming the NBA in any way, but a lot of us liked hot sauce and we liked the professor and uh, skip to my Lou and all these, like we'd like the N1 mixtape tour. We were all trying to learn the crossovers and put the, the basketball inside of our three X white T spin it around and hit a cross, throw the ball off someone's face. It made, it made its way into pop culture and it didn't take away from the NBA at all, but yeah. it was its own entity. And that's what I think Triller is again. And while mixtape's not around now, right? Like, I don't know if the model's sustainable, but they were around for four or five years and they made a mark in basketball history. Trilla could have that same type of impact. Yeah, so. I, I, don't, I don't see, um, again, man, I don't see the complaint. Like, and one was and one. Like, could Hot Sauce play in the league? No, the motherfucker couldn't shoot. He, the shit that he was doing on the court was impossible to do in the league when he got called for every carry and travel. Every <laughs> basketball. But it was wildly entertaining for what it was. And streetball does produce superstars or guys who play in the NBA. Skip to Balu, you know, was, was an NBA player. He started for Toronto for some years. And it's like, you know, you have to have an alternative. It's just like WWE. Like, you have to have an alternative because you will find diamonds in the rough. And I'm not saying Jake Paul is going to be anybody's world beater. But I'm saying that the entertainment value, like, no, it's a business at the end of the day. And if Jake Paul is out here just beating people up, how can you deny him? How can you deny this? It's prize fighting, baby. Prize fighting. And cut the check. I said, and I said this on Twitter, and people were like, "Yo, really surprised." Ben Askren, uh, Bellator champion, one FC champion, went to the UFC after both of those things with the trade with Demetrius Johnson. (laughs) Three UFC fights made eight hundred thirty thousand dollars. Now this doesn't include any non-discretionary bonuses, but who knows what the fuck that was? In one night, in a hundred and nineteen seconds. The man made $500,000. Not including One pay-per-view night. points. Yeah, not including pay-per-view points. I don't know how his deal is structured with Triller. But he made half a million dollars for doing something he's not really known to do. In after retirement. Yeah, like after he retirement. Dumb. He had hip surgery. Like he, Man, I told you he had no business in that fucking ring. But <laughs> alas, here we are. But he's fought in the UFC three times. Robbie Lawler, Damian Maya, and Jorge Masvidal. $830,000. Three fights. He fought for two minutes, made half a million dollars. You ask me which way you should go, probably Listen, wouldn't, wouldn't be UFC. Nathan Diaz, um, Dylan Dennis, somebody better pick up a damn phone and get this bag. But I digress. We Let's talk about the performances first, right? Because it's easier to go to the performances and then talk about the fights and events of the night. So the performances, we had the Black Keys, which was dope because it felt like I was playing MLB The Show. <laughs> Greatest hits. I was like, yo, I know this song. Black Keys been on MLB The Show for like the last five years. So every song they played, I was like, oh, that's my intro screen. <laughs> <laughs> Fire. And then we had a Diplo and Major Lazer performing one song because it seemed like time constraints might have gotten the best of them. We'll talk about that. Damn sure. you, Frank Mir. And then uh, Doja Cat 
who was, you know, Doja Cat. I'm not a big Doja Cat fan. So it's like, all right, cool. Performance was all right. Um, Saweetie, who was lip singing the whole time. Until her mic came on and she was like, ooh, I'm out of breath. Girl, <laughs> like, listen, y'all, like if you, if you haven't been paying attention, your mic has not been on and you've been lip syncing all these performances of old 90s and early 2000s rap hits and remix. And when your mic comes on, you say you tired. Meanwhile, Ice Cube, Too Short, E-40 and Snoop Dogg just ran through a gamut of songs and were perfectly fine. Y'all got to get y'all shit together. Young I mean, they weren't dancing. Too Short did have a, a lovely, wholesome woman dancing next to him, though. Wholesome? Listen, I don't know this woman's life. Nope. <laughs> I just call. I'm giving her better for the doubt. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he, they had uh, they had some entertainment on stage with them that was quite interesting. Ben Askren tweeted out, he was like, "Oh, this is not family friendly." Dog, no, sir. What hey, the hell man. do you think you signed up for? Snoop is smoking weed during the broadcast. They got my boy Al Bernstein taking a drink. Oh, there's so there's so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about that has nothing to do with fighting. Oh no, we're getting to all that shit. So that's oh, why I want to knock out the performances. Yeah, the and performance. then Justin Bieber. I like Justin Bieber, and the Peaches song is really dope. It is. Yeah, so that shit's catchy. I was like, all right, you got it. So they paid him to do a couple of songs. I thought that was cool. I feel like there was maybe thirty, what thirty minutes total of boxing. Maybe, maybe Frank Mir- the Frank Mir Cunningham fight took up all the time. Yeah, so it's like thirty minutes of boxing, forty minutes of boxing, and a smooth three hours of performances. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting way to pace a card. I would like to see like maybe a split, two less performances. Something, but that certain points performances were going back to back. Yeah, and I feel like that's that's a little much. But outside of that, fuck it. Um, we also had Ric Flair randomly showing up. Uh, slap strike, slap strike. But you know what? Pete fucking Davidson was hilarious. There we go. That's I've been waiting. Listen, man, <laughs> I've been waiting for this Pete Davis segment. There's two things I'm waiting for. We're two of them we're going to talk about. Obviously, Pete Davidson. The other is Oscar De La Hoya. We'll get to Oscar. Oh, we'll man. get to Oscar in a second. They did my man in cocaine and put his ass on the stage. But <laughs> Pete Davidson shows up, and Pete Davidson is clearly not giving a fuck. Pete Davidson's also loaded on something. He was on something this night, but he's always on something. I was right? about to say, I think that's his, his gimmick. I think he's always on something. His MO is drugs. But <sighs> there's two things that really stuck out to me. One, he opens the broadcast. After we get the Snoop Dogg, Jaleel White segment, where Jaleel White is promoting per- Purple Urkel, which is fucking incredible for his strain. As Urkel. Fantastic. He looks great, by the way, though. Like, yeah. he still looks like Urkel. Yeah, Jaleel White's doing all right. But then we get Pete Davidson with Diplo and Snoop, and they're having some banter, and Snoop drops about a couple of F-bombs, like, maybe 30 seconds into the broadcast. And right there, you're just like, oh, this is going to be a different kind of show. But then it takes it goes up a notch, and Pete Davidson says, oh, Diplo and Snoop, you basically can fuck my mom, and I'm okay with this. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> this show is on another level. The other thing that stuck out to me is, like, so – Pete Davidson goes to Jake Paul's locker with Jack Harlow for reasons I don't even know because Harlow's there. He didn't do anything. I guess he just wanted to show up. Now, he's a Kentucky boy, so Atlanta's not too far, so I guess that makes sense. Davis is in Jake Paul's locker. They're talking. Pete's like, fuck it. I'm going to ask you about your sexual assault case. What? 
<laughs> Did nobody tell him not to do this? And they Jake bleeped Paul, it. Yeah, Jake Paul's attorney was like, mm, we're not going to talk about this. And Jake is pretty much like, ooh, wow, we're not going to talk about this. Like, you blindsided me with it. Now, that's not the worst of it. Pete says what he has to say to Jake, leaves the locker, shows up in Ben Askren's locker, and starts completely doing his best Bobby the Brain heating impression <laughs> by railroading Jake Paul in front of Ben Askren, calling Jake Paul a complete douche, an idiot. Yo, I, I don't know if Pete, if they're going to watch this, I don't know if Pete will ever be invited back. But I what? thought this was. No, this he was, was like, incredible. I think what that's saying. what they hired him to do. Yo, to he shit was, on it. But oh the opening God. lines were him shitting on it. He was like, I can't believe people are paying for this shit. He's like, we got Jake Paul who's a YouTuber. And Ben Askren, I still don't know who this guy is. <laughs> Yo, he was, he's just he shitting was, on it. He's like, this he, isn't a real fight. But someone's going to get hurt by the end of the night, so fuck it. <laughs> Pete Davidson was unreal. Like, they flew Pete Davidson in there. Nobody told him like, "Hey, Pete, you know, make sure you stay on this subject and don't talk about that." Yeah. Like, Build yo, they the card. Nope. They gave my man free reign to do whatever the fuck he wanted, and you know what Pete did? Whatever the fuck he wanted. And he I loved every second show. of it. Um, so Pete Davidson, Ric Flair, they they randomly link up. Pete Davidson can't stop laughing because Flair is always Ric Flair. The, he does not live the gimmick. The gimmick lives him. So <laughs> Flair is put that band in a museum like it, it's incredible he's on a thousand they walk through they get to this slap slap fight arena Pete Davidson is on the outside of the cage uh Ric Flair is there being like the judge of this and Pete Davidson just dying in the background and you get this the big Samoan I'm not sure of his name the crazy Hawaiian oh excuse me crazy Hawaiian not the big Samoan that was yes, horribly versus off. versus the big bear Versus the big bear <laughs> slapping each other. And listen, when they when they went face to face, I was like, yeah, there's no way that this crazy Hawaiian is losing. Nah, fuck that. Yo, big bear showed up. First of all, man, I gotta disrespect the man. He came with a couple bitch slaps and Pete Davis is like, oh my God. Rick Flair was like, my ex-wife slapped me harder than that. And I was like, Rick, chill. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, this is he's wilding. But this was such a great addition to the card because people are like yo what the fuck is this but we've seen these videos on twitter and instagram and everywhere else for like the past few years of people just smacking the piss out of each other and we're like where are they doing this at well they have a league it's called <laughs> slap strike yep. and fight carries it which means now the triller carries it now we're going to get a chance to see this on the regular and the crazy hawaiian had there was no way this motherfucker was losing this no. man's hands are heavy the Big Bear was doing nothing. And then, yo, Crazy Hawaiian lit his ass up. And Ric Flair hit us with a woo. And I was like, this is incredible. It was perfect timing. Like, they they did the slow-mo. And as soon as the dude was dropping, the Big Bear was dropping to the ground. Ric Flair just hits the woo. And it's just incredible. Incredible. So <laughs> that was very sports entertained by that segment. And then another thing, shout out to Mike Coppinger. Um, He's doing... Like they cut to him and <laughs> for like analysis and he's doing analysis mid fight. And then he says something crazy. Like, and then he said, fuck you. And then Snoop takes it back. And he's like, he cursed. He was like, you started off all professional on that shit. Okay. <laughs> Man. He's like, this is Triller. I was I, dying. Oh, 
uh, you know, I was like, good shit, Mike. I was like, this, this is why you're here. Me, me and Mike have been boys for a while. Mike's my guy. Like Mike says some crazy shit, but I fuck with Mike. And uh, I text Mike and I was like, you having fun? He was like, yo, this shit is fucking bananas. And when he, when that was, cause he was basically saying, he was talking about the Ivan Redcatch Regis Progray fight. Cause Redcatch and Regis Progray had been sparring partners and he had interviewed them both. And I guess one of them had said, I'll fuck the other up. So he just quoted it and Snoop was just like, whoa. And look, the thing about Mike is Mike's a younger cat and boxing is full of old heads. And when Mike came along, he kind of flipped the script on a lot of people because I've been, I've hung out, me and Mike were in London together for the uh, the Joshua Pavekin um, fight. We went to Buckingham Palace. We kicked it. Like, we kicked it in London. We drank. We had a good time. And me and Mike hang out a lot. Big pro wrestler fan. Mike's like the biggest Dolph Ziggler mark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mike's a big Dolph Ziggler mark. So when I see Mike getting his opportunity to do this, I'm like, this makes sense because Mike is a, he's a younger dude, right? He, he's hardcore boxing guy, but he's a younger dude. So when he gets this opportunity to do things like this, this makes sense. We need yep. younger people talking boxing. That's just what we need. You know, old people respect him because Mike does the work. I've said, me and Mike went to dinner. It was me, Mike, Eddie Hearn, Dan Raphael, Lance Pugmire, Steve Kim, Anthony Lever from Matchroom Boxing. I can't remember who else is there. We went to dinner one night in Texas. And I'm sitting next to Mike. And full disclosure, Eddie Hearn loves to start shit. Like, if, we, if you hang out with Eddie Hearn, he's just looking for some shit to start. So he orders, like, this really expensive bottle of wine. And he's like, I'm going to start some shit between Coppature and Dan Raphael. Because they have, like, they're like big brother, little brother beef, right? Because, truthfully, Coppature breaks a lot of fucking news. Hunts. And Dan, you know, when he was at ESPN, he would ape that shit. And he would, you know, he would build off of Mike's news and, and Mike would get pissed off because he wouldn't get credit for it. So Eddie would start some shit like, hey, um, Dan, why didn't you give Mike any credit for, you know, this story? And then Mike would just go <laughs> off. And I, and I was sitting and I would watch this shit transpire and I was like, this is incredible. Now, the thing is, though, the entire time we're at dinner, Mike is on his phone. Mike is breaking news while we're eating dinner as he's arguing with Dan Raphael. And I'm sitting with Mike and I'm looking at him. I'm like, well, yo, put down your phone. He's like, no, 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 I'm about to break this story. He pounds the phones like nobody else. I've, I've never seen, there are very few people in this era that will get on the phone and just be on the phone like literally for hours at a time. Yeah. And, and Mike does that. And that's Mike how he and Ariel. Those, those yeah. are the two I've seen. Mike and, Mike and Ariel. And, I, and, you know, Ariel, like, I know him. Ariel's cool. I, but I just, I know Mike. Like, me and Mike are friends. And yeah. when I watch him do this shit, when people talk about Mike, I'm like, y'all y'all don't understand. Mike works really fucking hard at breaking news. And Can you imagine got- Woj? Like, I, just seeing how crazy Mike is about it. Can you imagine Woj? I can't. I can't. But well, but Coppinger is truly the Wojnowski of boxing. Of boxing. Oh, yeah. He, he is fantastic at his job. And I could never do it. I just don't have the time. So when I watched Coppinger do this and the fact that he was on this broadcast, I was like, this makes all the sense in the world. So when this whole segment happened and I know Snoop kind of shouted him out and they took a picture together, I felt good for Mike because that's kind of what boxing needs. Boxing needs younger heads in the game, but especially younger heads in the game that know they shit. That's who Coppinger is. Say what you want to say about the dude, but he knows his shit. I fuck with Mike. And I thought that was just hilarious when Snoop was just like, oh, hold on, professional journalist saying fuck. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's like Mike too. Like, again, he's just, listen, takes or takes, right? Like, 
if you, if you're you know a loud boisterous type of person then people sometimes get rubbed you know rubbed the wrong way but shit that's me too whatever some people dislike me i like what can i say fuck it i love that so if someone else is doing the same then someone else is is doing the same but you know people block me for the same reasons we out here um should we talk about pro grace fight at now we'll, we'll backtrack no so no we have yeah, yeah. steve cunningham frank mir no 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 you gotta start with the raycon fight first man versus joe fournier you gotta start with a reggaeton artist getting lit the fuck up oh by i joe forgot fournier. about that joe fournier who's a billionaire but i don't know he's somehow just, a professional boxer yeah <laughs> and you know decided to fight a very small reggaeton guy and somehow just ended up circling the ring. I think, and I, this is ridiculous. CopyBox was actually following the fights and giving out CopyBox numbers. Uh, Raycon didn't land a punch the entire fight. <laughs> and try, poor Al Bernstein, I think it was Al. Someone was trying to say reggaeton and had no clue what the fuck it was. It's probably Al. And I was yeah. like... <laughs> I was Yo, like, they oh put him in a horrible position. So he's trying to explain this in like really good boxing journalist form, why they are fighting and how like Ray Khan went up to Joe Fournier's girlfriend and all this. And I was like, Yo, you're too formal right now. <laughs> like this, this is ridiculous. Um, so yeah, that's what did it. It was a light heavyweight fight. Fournier pretty much just followed him around the ring. It was Easy work for him. He wanted to get some rounds in. Yet said he hasn't fought in three or four years, and then ended it with, uh, what? No, he a body punch almost ended it. Dropped Raycon, and then right Raycon ended it in the corner. It was like no mas. Yeah, no, his corners. Yo, his corners like yo. Who am I? Where are you? And he goes, huh? And his corner was like, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> All the fight. Because like, I, I don't think he was not silly. He was just like, the adrenaline was going great. Like, he's like, yo, I'm in a fight on television. Like, what the hell is this? Yo, he he wasn't ready for that shit. And by the time that they, they were throwing hands and he had thrown his first couple jabs and Fournier hit him with the right hand, and you can see Raekwon was like, Raekwon is like, uh, I don't think I want to be here anymore. No, Raekwon wasn't fucking with that. But he was like, I ain't no bitch. So I'm going to just continue to fight until somebody ends this shit for me. And Fournier kept looking at him like, do you want me to end this for you? And you, the look at Raycon's face is like, I don't really want you to end this for me, but I'm going to fight until you know something happens. So fortunately, his corner saved him for the fight. Two rounds ended at the end of the second round. Big shocker. You know, Raycon's going to make it. You know, his new single comes out next week. Good promo, but... You know, you ain't got to get punched in the head for that shit. He ain't get starched and knocked out cold. So No, no he didn't. He at least, you know, he That's how you do it. Senses. Yeah, yep. that's how you save face. And then uh, next up, Frank Mir, UFC veteran, former UFC champion, versus, let's be clear about this, USS oh, Steve Cunningham. You... S S call Oscar. Tell him that Oscar De La Hoya was allowed to do commentary for this fight. <laughs> Turns out to be the longest fight of the night. I don't think oh they bargained God. for that. <laughs> Oscar gets up there and they ask him about his upcoming fight. 
before the the Cunningham fight really starts. And he's like, I just want to fight the best and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Something still seems a little weird and off, but maybe Oscar's hype. The first round comes up and he's like, watch out for Steve Cunningham, USSR. And you're just like, is he calling a United States service member? part of the USSR and they're trying to talk him back from it they're like yo the USSR doesn't exist anymore and he's like no USSR Cunningham and he was he was so fucked up on whatever it was we know Oscar likes a certain he, he likes several things in his life he likes to party so I don't know what it was on this night but he was gone and poor Mario Lopez trying to like kind of keep some normalcy and then still talk Oscar up because they're buddies. But it's like, so like, yo, you know, your dude is gone. Someone get him off the mic. Somebody. And he kept saying baby all the time. I think it was a shit show. Oh, this was great. He's someone's boss. Yes. Like, honest, like he is Ryan Garcia and Virgil Ortiz's boss. What are you doing when you're watching this? I'm signing this guy. I got to get the fuck out of here. I got to go. I'm no longer full-time affiliated with the zone. So I can, I can just go all all in on this. (laughs) Oscar's a fucking headache. Everybody knows it. There's a reason why the people don't really allow him to talk. And this was it. Oscar shows up to commentary with Ray Flores, Al Bernstein. And I'm going to talk about Al Bernstein real quick. Al Bernstein probably had the best night of his life because Al Bernstein is a straight shooter, a fantastic boxing commentator. But he was clearly contact high. And he was clearly <laughs> trying to make this shit work the best that he could. And I think at a certain point in the night, Al was like, fuck it. I'm just going to have a good time. And clearly Snoop got him high. And he just kind of rolled with the punches. Now, this fight, Oscar De La Hoya joins for commentary. When he pulls up, his eyes are fucking bloodshot red. So immediately I'm like, oh, he's fucked up. But then he starts talking. And I'm like, oh, he's not like just high something else is up with oscar now oscar's talking about making a comeback in a couple of months but uh can you pass a drug test oscar did you make it home safe oscar i don't know what's going on he goes ballistic on this broadcast he was like don't your mother used to tell you not to smother i don't know why that stuck in my head but he said that. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about oscar? all the shit that he said that stuck in your head no because he was like because he was talking about Frank Mir impressing the action because clearly Steve Cunningham is a better boxer. Steve Cunningham, for those who don't know, is one of the few people who have dropped Tyson Fury. Way early in his career, Steve Cunningham did that. As an undersized heavyweight, he's a a full-time cruiserweight for most of his career. Fought very little time as heavyweight. Fought Tomas Adamek in 2010, I believe. Still in really good shape, too. Yeah, fantastic shape. Was a good trainer. You know, he's fighting Frank Mir, who has 70 pounds on him. But Oscar's talking about smother him he's telling frank mirror to smother him and ray flores is like well oscar first thing oscar says like steve cunningham doesn't have a chin and ray flores is like wait what and al bernstein is like what and mike coppinger is like wait what are you talking about (laughs) and then and then clearly at this point everybody in the booth including mario lopez is like yo oscar's fucked and we gotta carry him but (laughs) we gotta carry yeah at the same time oscar's like i don't give a fuck i'm just gonna say what i feel and oscar's just going off the rails and at some point, he goes, they're talking about, you know, pressing the action and that Frank Mears should close the distance on Cam- Cunningham. And Oscar was like, 
you should smother, but your mother used to tell you not to smother. Now, clearly, only if you've been drunk in your life, you like to rhyme words when you're drunk. They don't need to mean anything. Like, Oscar was lit, and he was just like, yo, my mother told you not to smother. And at that point, I was like, yo, Oscar's fucked. But at this, you can't get him off the mic. He's here to stay. And all you're praying now is for this fight to end because Oscar's not going to start. Come on, baby. I'm like, yo, why is Oscar just yelling at me all the time? He just yelled the entire fucking broadcast. <laughs> so I had to work this fight for ringside, so obviously. So I'm, I'm posting on ringside. And after that, every post that I posted, the entire comment section was, yo, Oscar's fucked. Everything was about Oscar being gone and people just guessing what drugs he were he was on. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've been blacked out drunk. I didn't act like Oscar. Because he wasn't like slurring. He was just really fucking crazy. I don't, I don't know. I've never done drugs, so I couldn't even, like, I've never tried a drug, so I can't pinpoint even what drug that is. But, he, like, I don't know what he was on, but whatever he was on, that was high-quality shit. That's, like, stuff you can only buy when Virgil Ortiz just landed your company, like, an incredible knockout two weeks ago, and you saw that bonus check, and you're like, I know exactly where this is going. Look, this speaks a lot to Snoop Dogg's talents. Snoop Dogg was the Snoop Dogg was loaded the moment that he showed up on the screen for Triller. When him Is he and never Davis, not high? That's my point. The fact that he was able to keep it together for the entire broadcast, he performed. This motherfucker performed, hosted, and did commentary. Yep. No, like no problem. He didn't have an issue with it. Now I think he lives life high though. Yeah, but you're watching Oscar just like falling apart. Al Bernstein, he's just riding that fucking cloud. Like, he's just floating in whatever, Purple Urkel, whatever they were smoking, Al was floating. Ray Flores, he was just trying to fit in. Ray was like, hey, Snoop, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, Ray, chill out. Snoop's tolerance is ridiculous. Oscars. Ray was wild with it a little too, but I liked, I mean, it fit the moment. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Ray Flores shows up on the broadcast and he goes, they told me I was too conservative, so they kicked me off the broadcast. And I said, go fuck your mother, and they let me back on. And I was like, this is something else. <laughs> we are watching a whole different kind of show here. Like, this was – listen, guys, if you didn't pay to watch this, I understand. But go out of your way. If you watch nothing else, watch Oscar De La Hoya on commentary for Frank Mir versus Steve Cunningham because this was incredible. Hilarious. Hilarious. You actually tweeted out – the Oscar said something. Um, well, he's oh, like, oh, put the camera on me? Give me more camera time? With Coppinger. So they, they they throw the Coppinger to ask him what the score was between round three and four. And while, as Coppinger is explaining, you know, what his take is on the fight, you hear Oscar De La Hoya go, hey, put the motherfucking camera on my face. My camera needs to be on my face more. And I'm like, yo, Oscar, you are bugging. <laughs> they can't give him a hot mic. You got to cut his mics when you toss it. And you know who enjoyed this more than anybody else? Dana White. Dana probably watched this shit and was like, oh. this piece of shit, because he hates Oscar De La Hoya. So many of the comments were <laughs> Dana White's just quote from the presser. He says, cocaine isn't cheap. <laughs> Yo, Dana was so real about it. He oh, ain't wrong. He ain't wrong. Steve Cunningham wins the decision, as we all expected. People were yes. Some people were disappointed he didn't knock out Frank Mir, but look, man, Frank Mir is a big dude. Frank Mir has always had decent hands. 
And, you know, Cunningham was a career cruiserweight. Didn't, he was always an undersized heavyweight. So I'm not terribly surprised by this. This oh. is not say anything wrong about Steve Cunningham. Frank Mir might get another fight. They just yeah. match him up better. He's a tough dude. Like, he's always been tough. I mean, and there's no USADA. Yeah. So and I just need Oscar to know the difference between USS. He said USSA, USSR. Like, yo, it was just USS, bro. Just USS. Like, I don't know how someone couldn't relay this to him. That Oscar, it's just USS. No, no, no. no I, other I, letter after that. I guarantee whoever the producer was on the show was in Oscar's ear, and Oscar was just not listening to any of that. Oh, yo, uh, Oscar, it's USS. <laughs> USSR, USSA. Come on, baby. I was like, the oh. producer for this has to be a very unique person. Like you got to be ultra tolerable. Listen, not look, pulling out all of your hair. You got, you guys. Like I was at the zone, so when I was there in the broadcast booth, and I was in the trailer for Logan Paul versus KSI, and Matt Miller, who was our producer at the zone at the time, who came from WWE, was the producer of this show. And I was in, in Jonathan McCormick, who was a good friend of mine, who was also a producer on the show. And I watched the shit that went on. Like, and this was a regular, regular, regular show. We had Radio Raheem on commentary. It wasn't like as crazy as this, but you still have to be like a professional producer. You're trying to handle things as they happen. And it's, you, said it's a regular, you said it's a regular show. We have Radio Raheem on commentary. Yeah, it, well, so I'm, saying, I'm laughing. As a producer, you still have to treat it like a regular show. So I remember going to the trailer and I'm like, I'm looking at Matt and Matt is losing his mind because he's like, what the fuck is he talking about? What is what is this? Throw the camera six. Like he's trying to navigate this show because you have to navigate it as a as a television show. But now you have all this other shit going on. So whoever the producer of the show was had experience, but it was like, oh my god! Oh yeah, no, no, they were they they were talented. I'll tell you that. It's like, how do you, man? It's like because you're trying to make sure the camera shots are straight. You're trying to make sure the timing is right because the producer's job is a very difficult job because you want to make sure the the show was running smoothly. But at the same time, now you got Oscar losing his mind. You got Al. Like, when is he talking? Like, you have these performances that run along. Snoop rolling blunts. People were just walking up to the commentary desk. Pete, Pete Davidson Pete just Davidson. walks up. <laughs> he just pulls up mid-round. He pulls up. <laughs> the best part is, not that he pulls up. The best part is he pulls up in the middle of the third round, and the camera's like, you know what? Fuck this fight. Let's check out Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson walking to the booth. He walks up to the booth. Him and Mario Lopez take a selfie. The cameras are still on Pete Davidson and Mario Lopez while a fight is going on in the <laughs> ring. I have never seen anything like this. Yo, incredible. So then we have the Kobe Regis, Pro Grace versus Ivan Redcash. <sighs> Who knew? Who knew the, the real fight would end like this? Yes. So Snoop, credit to Snoop. When, when it's time to give like real commentary, he's actually not bad. He's funny as a color commentator. Yeah, um, fucked up. Yeah, definitely, definitely dropped the ball on that one. So he's actually like talking through the real fight. I was like, all right, yo, this Snoop's getting me into it. Um, Regis letting left go. Snoop got the funny catchphrase for the left and all that stuff. I was like, okay, let's let's get it. And then you can see Regis opening up, opening up, opening up. This is the worst I've seen Ivan fight. Red Cash fight, um, even though allegedly there's a video of him taking an ass whooping by Tank and, and sparring somewhere and him crying. Um, but listen, I can't confirm or deny that. The video's allegedly out there. So he gets in here and Regis is really pouring it on him. I'm like, yo, this might not last very long. And then sixth round, Regis 
you guys can see me doing air quotes, lands a punch to the body. And Ivan Redcash sells this shit like he was shot, like he was Ricky. Boys to it, like, like someone just got him, bomb, and he hits the ground, but he's holding his groin. So you're like, was it a low blow? The, the commentator, he didn't really know what was going on. Um, someone was telling, you know, the Red Cash's wife to come in the ring and check his balls. Like, it was, it was a madhouse in there. And then you see the replay, and I'm not even sure if the punch landed on the side of the body. It sure wasn't low blow. I'm not sure if the punch landed. And Ivan was writhing in pain to the point seven minutes after they stretchered him out of the ring. I have no words. Oh boy. So we had, this was the real fight. These are two real professional boxers. Yeah. Regis yeah. Prograde, former WBA super lightweight champion of the world. Only has one loss to Josh Taylor. Uh, Ivy Ray catch, tough cookie. They're in a fight. It's a pretty good fight that most expected that Regis Program will win. We're not tripping. This is what we got. So we're kind of, you know, box hardcore boxer people are looking for a big Regis Program finish. Yeah, it could go to decision, but if Regis Program gets his hands on him, he has a high knockout rate, he'll finish him. Yep. And as the rounds are progressing, it seems like Regis Program is uh, landing with more frequency, and Ray Cats can't really deal with that power and the output. But then this shot, this right hook to the body happens. And yes, Ivan Redcatch sells it like he just got shot in the testicles. Yep. He rolls around, he's on the ground, and the referee, and I, dog, I don't know where they got these referees from, but these were the oldest men I've seen on earth. <laughs> like, yo, how do you get a referee that's like 97 years old? And, they, you know, Snoop calling him grandpa, and I'm like, yo, this is a problem. The Atlanta Athletic Commission, I guess? I, I didn't even, I've never heard of the Atlanta. Doc, I don't know, but these referees are super old. And Redcatch is selling this shit, and it, and they're playing the replay in the arena. And I know as Red Cash is on the ground, he's like, oh, fuck. They're about, I didn't get hit in the nuts. And everybody's about to see it. <laughs> the commentary but, piped through the arena so he could hear them talking shit about him as the yeah. commentary team is watching the replay. My man was like, I'm going down with the ship. This lie <laughs> is my Titanic, and I am going down with this shit. Once you start lying, you just got to keep lying. You can't just, just pop up like you, oh, sorry, I was lying. Couldn't let it go. So... Progay wins. I mean, there's a lot of confusion. Snoop's like, hey, this is a technical knockout. But, you know, the commission rules are the guy go to scorecards after an accidental low blow. Progay wins the unanimous decision, but it should have been a TKO. It should have been. And it sucks because I like Regis Progray. I like him a lot. I think he's a great fighter. I think he's, you know, he's got a great story. I, I remember talking to him uh, when we were in Texas. And he was talking about chasing down alligators, like wrestling alligators, being from Louisiana. He's a Louisiana boy. and They, they yeah. live different. He's got a great story, and he, sh he deserved to get the knockout here. Um, but that, that didn't happen. And, uh, yeah, Ivan Redcatch sold this shit. Like, Vince McMahon was like, that's good shit. I'm sure of it because there's just no way you watch a man sell a – Body shot, like he just got his nuts, like he got castrated. That's how he was acting. Like he, he Flair must have gave him tips in the back. It looked like you know, you know the the Flair taking a punch, going around the wing, boom, dropping on his face. It was it was that level of selling. My man tucked and rolled. My man, you know, he cried. His wife or his girlfriend. Not only was she did she come to his age, she was yelling at Regis like you piece of shit for hitting yeah. like listen, man, your man got hit with a legal punch that didn't even land completely flush. No. Your man wanted out. Red Cash wanted out. So, you know, Red Cash, 
you know, he should be fined. He should be suspended. Like, he shouldn't get another fight. Like, it's a thriller card. There's no, there's no rules to a thriller card. If you're going to pull this, not. you can't pull this on a regular card. No. Nah, but this, anything goes on a thriller card. But this was a disgrace, man. Like, you can't just cop <laughs> out like this. This was, this was. USSR awful. Steve Cunningham wasn't a disgrace, but this was a disgrace. Yeah. Oh. You're right. You're right. You're right. No, you're the right. whole thing, it was, it was par for the course. I would love to see Regis fight on another Triller card because I he's been calling out Adrian Broner for like two years, and there's no better place for him to fight Adrian Broner than on Triller because you know Broner will perform an eight-minute song as the, the musical guest with Rick Ross and Migos and then walk to the ring and try to fight. Yeah, I don't want any of that. I mean, I, want I don't want it. I, want I don't, I don't, of it. I don't want it because like, I don't want to see Adrian Broner get paid, but at oh, the same time, pay him. <laughs> I want to see Prograde beat the shit. I want somebody to knock out Broner. So yeah, okay, fine, I'll watch it. I will take it. Put that on the Delahoya card. I don't even know who Delahoya is fighting. Throw he that on really. there. No, he really shit. Doesn't. He might not be fighting after this. After they review the tape, they'll be like, "Hey, Oscar." He probably left that bitch. And went straight into rehab. No, they they'll let him fight. They're letting uh, <laughs> Holyfield fight. And the man can barely put together a sentence. Yeah, well. Stop yeah. giving him a live mic. Stop it. Because it just looks really bad. This isn't a guy with motor skills that should be in a boxing ring doing anything. Anything. Let alone putting gloves on and getting hit in the head anymore. So, listen, they have loose rules over there, Triller. Um, and then the main event, Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. A minute, 59 seconds. What I said. You're right. I did. Ben Askren, shout out to Stuart. He said he looks like he's a 1940s fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he came out like old timey, like put your dukes up, like hunched over. I don't know what he did in preparation. At the weigh-ins, his body, granted, Ben Askren was always kind of like that, right? Because he was a wrestler. So, like, the weight cuts, all this stuff, like, he never was defined. He was never muscular. But he looked extra pudgy. Like, he just rolled yeah. off the couch to take this fight. I was like, sir, you... Nate... Not Nate, Nate there is. Um, Nate Robinson has not been seen since. He went viral. He was knocked out cold. You got to take this somewhat seriously. And I'm not sure it maybe he did, maybe he's just that bad. But Jake, Jake wasn't playing around. No. I mean, look, I told you this. Jake doesn't play around with boxing. He's a YouTube goof. He's everything, you know, Pete Davidson says he's a piece of shit and he wants to get him knocked out. Like all those things may be true, but I've seen Jake Spar. He takes this thing very seriously. And even what you saw out of the Nate Robinson and Ansi and Gibb fights, you saw a fighter with a sharp jab who knows how to put a right hand behind it, understands how to control space, and isn't swallowed up by the moment of boxing. He's very poised. As soon as the bell rang, I looked at Ben, and I was like, this shit is over. There was never a moment where I thought Ben Askren had a chance to win this fight. From the moment they announced it, I was like, he's dead meat. Hmm. And, you know, for, for weeks, you know, Ben tried to convince people that Ben's, you know, that he's a good fighter and Jake's not really a good boxer and neither am I. So this will make sense. Dog, I told, I told you, I told anybody who would listen, there is no way in hell 
that Ben Askren can win this fight. He's been fighting MMA for 12 years. He was a two-time NCAA Division I wrestling champion. So that means he's been wrestling for another four years on top of that. That's 16 years minimum that he's been competing in wrestling. You don't learn how to develop hands overnight. Your instincts are wrestling. That's it. That's, that's your foundation. That's all you've ever done. Because if you wanted to develop hands, you would develop them in mixed martial arts over the past 12 years. And he didn't. Now you're going to learn how to box? No. Jake went out there, shot the jab. Ben tried to come at him. Got, got little by a right hand. Now, let's talk about the fun part. People say Ben Askren took a dive. No, he didn't. Ben Askren got lit the fuck up and hit the canvas hard. <laughs> there was no dive involved here. This wasn't questionable like Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston or some very other, like, where you go, oh, he really didn't get hit. No, Jake hit Ben really hard. Ben hit the canvas face first really hard. The referee was going to give him an opportunity to go back into the fight. Ben wasn't on shaky legs, and he was done. There was nothing fake about this. You could say Ben didn't want to continue. That's fair. I'll give you that. If Ben was like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And checked out? Cool. But there was no bag for Ben Askren to take a dive against Jake Paul. No. Ben actually wanted to try to win this fight and realized very quickly that he was not in the same league as Jake Paul. And that sounds absurd because Jake Paul's not a real fighter. But Ben Askren is really not a boxer. And he got lit up and he lost. And people looked at the picture of him walking to out of the arena with a smile on his face and saying that, listen, man, people get knocked out every day, B. Yeah. They, they walk out of the arena. They're fine. I've you've seen them, Kel. I've seen them. People get knocked out. They're good. After the after you shake off the effects of being knocked out, you're okay. Yeah, you're it's good. shit you can do after that. Like you're around your family, you put it on the line, but you got paid. Win or lose, you're usually taking punches to the face. And once you see fighters get around their family, they realize like all these months of training, all the sacrifice, getting punched in the face tonight. It's all for you guys. And win or lose, usually they're always smiling. Yeah, like what do you what did you want him to do? Did you want to see him collapse in the heap crying, talking about committing suicide because he lost to a YouTuber? That wasn't gonna happen. Boxers lose and get knocked out all the time. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna sit there and, and you know put themselves in a dark locker and cry themselves to sleep. They gotta move on with life. Ben Askren has been knocked out before. Jorge Masvidal is the biggest embarrassment of Ben Askren's life. This knockout, that doesn't measure up to that. He just got he got beat. So what? He's good. He's okay. He didn't take a dive. Jake Paul is the better fighter, the better boxer, not the better fighter. Ben Askren, if it was a wrestling match, Ben Askren would have probably dragged the shit out of him. But it was a boxing match. Jake Paul wins one round, 119 seconds, and uh, boom, there it is. Big shocker. Big pay-per-view is going to do excellent numbers. I don't know who's paying for this shit. It ain't me. But it's, it's a bunch of other kids that are out here watching this shit. Yep. And now Jake Paul's in the driver's seat for another fight. Tyron Woodley challenged him to a fight. Sure, fuck it. Why not? Yeah, I also got to remember, Jake Paul fought this as a cruiserweight. Ben Askren fought his career as a welterweight. So that extra 30 pounds, you saw that muffin top. That muffin top was mean on Ben Askren. Oh, crazy. Super he, dad bod. Yeah, he had no chance. And, you know, he's going to get paid a nice little check, but he didn't take a dive. And now we move on to the next era for Jake Paul. And now the question is, who does Jake Paul fight next? 
I think Dylan Dennis would be the best option. I think not. I think he murders Dylan Dennis. That, of course, I think- I, he has to keep winning. So, again, I think Dylan Dennis is the best option. Tommy Fury is the most intriguing. What about Joe Fournier? Joe Fournier is calling him out. Yeah, but who, who cares about Joe Fournier? Nobody, hey. I, no one knows who the hell he was before this. I mean, let's be honest. Do you think a lot of Jeff and the guy's fans, a pro fighter? Like, no, he might win. No, I know. But, but do you think a lot of people who watch Jake Paul really knew who Ben Askren was? No, but it added a level of credibility. It did. It did. I, um, I agree with that. So but I'm just saying they it was the perfect was. person to add credibility because he was a MMA world champion in two major promotions and then a UFC fighter. So it added a whole different level of credibility there. Dylan Dennis brings a level of your um, Conor McGregor's right-hand man. I want to get to Conor. I threw eggs at you. You're a punk. And Dennis shit talk would also help carry this. So I like that option. And then Tommy Fury is a fury. Like you, you get, you know, um, big John Fury talking shit. You get Tyson's little brother. Like Tyson Fury will be there. It's not like he doesn't watch his brother fight. He'd be in attendance. It'd feel like a big fight feel. Tommy Fury looks like a million bucks and he's fought professionally. I think he's had six fights. His opponents have had like a combined seven wins, like something crazy. So you, no one knows what he is. He was on Love Island. So you get crazy UK press. Like he's a reality star from over there. That's, that's a fight that is huge. Honestly, if we weren't in pandemic times, they could do that in the UK and it would do stupid numbers at the gate. Um, along with whatever pay-per-view or whatever you're doing, but it is one of those fights where he's a reality star as well that looks like a million bucks. So he should beat Jake Paul, but I'm not sure what his skill level is. Yeah, I don't know. I think Dylan Dan is, yeah, on the outside, it's like, all right, cool. You fight Conor McGregor's guy, but he's gonna, he murdered Dylan. It is would he, be so disappointing. Keep making him look like a killer. Let's do yeah. it. But I think at this point, like, I think we're one fight away from people going, all right, I'm cool. Like, Jake's got to fight a real boxer. I think we're one fight away from that. So you might get away with it for his next fight. But after that, he's got to fight boxers from here on out. He's proven himself. I don't know. I don't know. I, you can rise a gravy chain, but I, I think the options are limited where you can get away with it. And people are like, all right, that's fine. You know, Askren makes sense. Nate Robinson makes sense. Anson Gibb makes sense. You know, he could fight KSI if he really wanted to. Um and would make a ton of money if they fought in the UK. That makes sense. But after that, you go, all right, you got to fight like a low-level boxer because that's what people are going to want to see. And if Jake Paul's taking it serious, yeah, you might have to do that. Tommy's a pro boxer. He, fits yeah, so all the, he checks all the boxes. That's where I was going. That's where I was going. That, that, he ticks the boxes. That fight would make a ton of sense. Jake Paul's in a great spot right now. Um, people don't like him, and they continue not to like him. But he's a good boxer in terms of foundationally, he can box. He has a strong jab, a straight right hand. He knows how to move. Those things you can't take away from him. Even though his opponents are bums, look, Mike Tyson was murdering fools for a while. And we were always questioning, well, where the hell is Mike Tyson's skill if he's just obliterating everybody? Same with Deontay Wilder. When you obliterate people, it's hard to figure out where your skill is. Mm-hmm. You know, and you and I always say it. I love to see him get hit in the face one good time. I want to see him get punched in the mouth. Who's gonna do it? But right now, 
listen, I'm not mad at this. If people get upset, like Jay Paul needs to step away for what? Give that, let that man fight again. And I said, 24 months. In the next two years, Jake Paul versus Conor McGregor. You can book it. If Conor McGregor loses against Dustin Poirier in July, and Triller's got a whole bag of money at the end of the rainbow, for Conor to box and work his way into it and like just have oh, one boxing match, and then go into a Jake Paul fight on a Triller pay-per-view? Yep. I mean, look. Give Conor Pauly first. Conor yeah, versus Pauly, and then you go with Conor Jake Paul. Sure. Why, whatever you want to do. But if, if Conor does that, and, you know, Conor's fighting a lightweight, uh, Jake Paul's obviously got more weight on him. I think Conor walks around like maybe 180. So he has to put on some muscle, but he'd do it for the right amount of money. That, that A pay-per-view between Jake Paul and Conor McGregor is huge. Huge. Yep. Dana White can't keep Conor on the leash for that. Like, he can't match that kind of money. No, that breaks all types of records. Yeah, it would smash a lot of records. It might not be, like, the biggest pay. It wouldn't no. be, like, Floyd and Manny, but. That damn near gets close to top five. It, it probably would. It probably would. If Jake Paul knocks out a legitimate boxer and then steps into a fight with Conor McGregor and Conor McGregor beats up Paulie, and then you have these two talking shitty on social media for several months. Oh, yeah. Cash out. Just just go ahead and cash the motherfucking check. <laughs> Printed money. So, I mean, he has options. That's the key. The guy sells. It'll be interesting to see the numbers from this fight. I don't want made-up numbers. He's saying 1.3. If he's 1.3, he is the third biggest combat sports star in the world. That's behind crazy. Canelo Alvarez and Conor McGregor. No one else does 1.3. He might. And the crazy thing is. He would have went 1.6 and then 1.3 back-to-back. And, you know, and obviously the 1.6 is more With so much Tyson, Tyson, sure. But now he can prove that it wasn't all Tyson. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of people that say, well, who's watching this shit? It's not people that you know. Like, Jake Paul's crowd, I don't know anybody really fucks with Jake Paul like that. Nah. Like, it's between my kids' ages and my age. Yeah. So it's like 18 to 25. To give you some insight. In Miami, when I uh, Demetrius Andres, Luke Keeler was the main event. Jake Paul fought Ansi and Gibb. I spent time with Jake Paul that week. I interviewed him. We were on the rooftop. He was arguing. They were they were gonna fight on the roof. Then we kind of hung out a little bit. Not like really hanging out, but just kind of chopping it up. And then fight night came, and I, you know, Jake told me how serious he was taking this, and like he really wanted to fight real fighters. Then we had that night. We had a black carpet. All of these celebrities came. And I was sitting there and I was just like, I don't know who the fuck these people are, but they're all here. This was the moment where I was like, oh shit, I'm old. Cause I don't know who the fuck these influences are. I don't know who these TikTok people are at all, but they were all, they like, they were everywhere. That was an event between that and the Logan Paul KSI fight. I'd never seen anything like that because obviously there's a market for this. The fact the Logan Paul KSI fight, the fact that they sold out Staples Center and parents were dropping off their kids to watch this fight tells you everything you need to know. There's an untapped audience out there that want to see people get punched in the face. And they're YouTubers. They want to see this. So Jake Paul cleans up and then you go, who's watching this? Well, yeah, no, old old boxing head. You may not be paying for this shit, but there's a whole group of people that are going to pay to watch Jake Paul versus whoever. 
and that there's a market for it. You can't be mad at it. Just let it live. No, I agree. I mean, there's a spot for it, right? So it's uh, it's here to stay for now, and we'll see how it progresses. We're headed to a break. That was a long segment, but listen, that's what we're here for. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to quickly wrap up all the UFC that happened before we get out of here. So don't go anywhere. Stay right there. We'll be right back. We'll get right back to the show in a second, but first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, as promised, we are back. The home stretch of the show, talking UFC. We're going to get right into it. Go pretty quick. We had a card, uh, UFC fight night from the Apex last weekend. It kind of got lost in the madness of Jake Paul, but... I watched it at the same time. You've watched it. I think you were watching at the same time as well, Dre. Yep. So two things that stuck out to me on this card is one, I guess more than two. Um, We had Jessica Panay winning, but getting slammed all around the cage. Yes. Like jackknife powerbombed. I still don't know how she won that. But okay, I guess I get it. And then... We have Andre Arlovsky winning in 2021. They're never going to be able to cut this guy. That was Chase Sherman doing. Uh, and, and it went the distance like we talked about. Damn heavyweights. Then the main event, Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum. It was domination from, from the opening bell for Whitaker. Gastelum to me is officially a wrap. And Whitaker just continues to roll. And he's looking like the guy we saw hold the title where you're like, yo, I don't know who beats him. Like Jacare and all these guys, Romero couldn't get him on the ground. And he just looked dangerous. Like Bobby Knuckles was on a different level. Then he kept getting hurt. It was like, wow, I don't know what it is. Well, he's not hurt anymore. And it looks like he's back to peak Bobby Knuckles. Yeah, I think uh, Robert Whitaker is the second best middleweight in the world. And he showed it. Against Gasolum, he looked excellent. Gasolum could do nothing with him. Striking, wrestling, nothing. There was nothing he could do with him for five rounds. And, you know, there's a lot of people that say, uh, Whitaker versus Adesanya, book it. I agree with you. I'm not there I, yet. I am because who else can beat him? Who else could fight? Who Who is the other middleweight that you would put in there with Adesanya? You'd be like, all right, that's a good fight. Vittori. No. He had a more competitive fight against Adesanya than Whitaker did. Yeah, but he, he still... Stylistically, he's a harder challenge for Whitaker. He's closer to who we just saw Whitaker lose, or excuse me, to Adesanya. He's closer to who we just saw Adesanya lose to with that same type of game plan and technique. He can do 
maybe what Blakovich did to Adesanya. I don't think Robert Whitaker can. Well, Vittori still needs to win another fight to get there. He needs he to didn't... fight Robert Whitaker. Yeah, well, you don't want to bench Adesanya for that long. Okay. That's the other thing. Izzy doesn't want to sit. Right. He wants to fight. So Adesanya should fight Whitaker next. Yeah. And Vittori should fight, I don't know. Whoever Paulo he was Costa. supposed to fight, right? No, he... Well, I mean, Paulo Costa was supposed to fight Whitaker, right? Paulo Costa f- fell out and Gaslam took the fight. So uh, Vittori was supposed to fight um, Till. Yeah, which is. They can still do that. So Vittori could either fight Till or Paulo Costa. And the winner gets the next shot at the title. Yeah. But I think you have to go. Whitaker's done more than enough. Me, like, okay. Masvidal is getting a fight against Usman and has done absolutely nothing to justify that. He's no. getting a rematch. Yeah. Whitaker's went out here in one fight. So he deserves that opportunity. I don't okay. think the fight is much different. I think I've always said this. Adesanya's fluidity and his striking is going to present a huge problem for Whitaker because Whitaker can do well with sprawling brawl guys. He's shown that till uh, Gastelum, you know, Romero, like those are, those aren't difficult fights for him, but a guy who can strike like Adesanya is a problem. The only thing that could be different is maybe Whitaker deploys his wrestling a little bit earlier, makes this fight a lot more competitive early. Yeah. But I think Vittori is a fight away. I think he has to win one more fight to get that opportunity. Because I'm with you. Vittori was a problem. That wrestling is a problem. We've, we've yep. seen that with Adesanya, but he needs to win another fight. Beating Big Mouth, Kevin Holland, does not get you a title. No, I agree. I don't think so. So if he's not going to fight Whitaker, sure, give Whitaker the title shot. Then, yeah, like you said, he has to fight Till, or he has to – I don't even know what a cost like Paulo Costa still has. But, sure, fight Costa if you can as well. Like, yeah. just show me that you can beat one of them. And then, yeah, then cool. Then you then you earned it. And we roll from there. Um, we have a UFC pay-per-view coming up this weekend that we have to preview. UFC 261. The card's all right. Like, the undercard, like, doesn't stick out to me. But the main card, we have uh, Anthony Smith versus... Um, who is he fighting? Hold on. I'm trying to get to this. Jimmy Crute? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anthony Smith, I think, is washed. So he's losing. Give me Jimmy. Jimmy by knockout. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that Anthony Smith is, is washed. He looked fantastic in his last fight. And Jimmy Crute, yes. Oh, Devin Clark, sure. Sure. I'm just I saying. Mean, who is Tashera Jimmy knocked beat? his out. Knock, knocked him out. I'm just saying. Like, who, who is Jimmy Crute beat? I okay. would tell you who he beat. I can't think off the top of my head. Like, I just think Eddie exactly. Smith I'm, I'm isn't, just, like, I'm, the same. I'm just Eddie saying, Smith. Jimmy Crute lost to Misha Serkinov. Outside of that, Jimmy Crute hasn't really beat anybody. No. Smiling Sam Alvey? Mm. Paul Craig? Mm. Yeah, give me Anthony Smith. All right. I, I just think Jimmy finishes a lot of people. The names, I'm looking at the names on the resume, not deep. But okay. he's a finisher. That's so right. so uh, is Anthony Smith. Yeah, it doesn't bode well for Anthony. I'll take Anthony to get Molly whopped in that fight. Um, and then we have Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman, the fight that should have taken place in like 2012, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Uriah Hall was always a weirdo who could never finish. Um, and Weidman, talking about being washed, Weidman is Weidman. Um, I don't know, man. Give me, give me Chris Weidman by decision because this is just the stupid type of fights Uriah Hall loses. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm all in on just picking Chris Weidman to lose here. He, 
he beat Akhmedov in his last fight, but you know, he's lost was it five of his last six prior to that? And I thought he lost like five in a row prior to that. Nah, like, he beat Kelvin Gastelum in, in between like oh, a he three did. fight losing streak yeah. and a two fight losing streak. But and, listen, his opponents in those fights, Chris Weidman went, lost to Luke Rockhold, beat Vitor Belfort, lost to Yoel Romero, lost to Gegard Mousasi, beat Gastelum, lost to Jacare, lost to Dominic Reyes. Yeah. Like, that's a murderer's row of oh, opponents. I, I agree. And and listen, I'm picking the guy to win, but, like, damn, that's – there's levels to this, and none of those opponents are as bad as Uriah Hall. No, but the problem is, is that it's not that Wyman loses. It's that Wyman is getting finished. That's yeah. my concern. He not only did he lose five of his last six fights before the Akhmedov fight, he was knocked out in five of those last six fights. So it leads me to believe that if Uriah Hall's on his game, he's finishing Chris Weidman. But as uneven as Uriah Hall's career has been, I don't know if that Uriah Hall is going to show up. So I'm going to pick Uriah Hall to win because I think it's do or die for both of these guys. And I think Uriah has maybe a little bit more because Weidman is chinny as hell. So I'm going to pick Uriah Hall by stoppage, not with a ton of confidence, because if he's if he shows up as that other Uriah Hall, why yeah. wins this fight pretty if handily. He's, if he's gun shy. Yeah, if, um, if he's not letting his hands go and if he's not throwing those, you know, spinning wheel kicks and if he's not here to, to showcase his striking, if he's tentative, Wyman's going to take him down and ground him out. That's it. Packed arena in Jacksonville for this, by the way. COVID. Um, yeah, <laughs> running wild like Hulkamania down in Jacksonville. Um, then we have our three title fights started off by Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade. Jessica's strong as hell. I like her in the flyweight division, but Shevchenko, Shevchenko. So, dude, I don't, maybe not a knockout. Maybe I'll, I'll give her credit and say Jessica goes five. I'm going to say Shevchenko by knockout because, and the only reason why is because I think Shevchenko might have a little chip on her shoulder for the Jennifer Maya fight. Okay. The, the Maya fight went the distance. And a lot of people thought that Shevchenko was going to wash Maya. Yeah. And yes, Andrade is tough as hell, but Andrade knows one way, and that's forward. Shevchenko loves people that come forward because she eats them alive. Yes, she does. And I think that like Shevchenko, Israel Adesanya. Yeah. Like if you're going to come at her, and if you have no defense, because, you know, Andrade doesn't have great defense, she just comes to wrestle, slam you on your head, and you and try to outmuscle you. You can't do that with a finesse fighter like. Uh, Valentina bullets about I think bullets gonna stop her I don't know what round I'm gonna say two it could be anywhere in the fight but I think bullet proves once again with a chip on his shoulder yeah I'm the best in the world I know that Nunez beat me but I was too small so she's she has to beat the shit out of people and she the only thing she's fighting now is herself yep too damn good I agree and then we have uh co-main Weili Zhang versus Rose Namajunas I mean, Rose said the crazy ass comments <laughs> about communists and in the red flag. Yeah. Like she she added fuel to a fire that didn't need fuel. Give me Wei Li Zhang by destruction in the second round. Like I, I think she's coming out. She's going to beat Rose's ass. And I'm not sure Rose has ever been the same since the you know the dolly through the window in the bus and like mentally. I'm not sure if she's been the same after that. So. 
Yeah, give me Wei Li Zhang by stoppage. I'm giant, giant black eye for Rose. I'm I'm picking Zhang to win. I just don't know if it's by stoppage. I think Rose Namajunas, strangely enough, is still remains one of the most underrated fighters on this roster. She's held the championship. She knocked out Joanna. I don't think people gave her enough credit for knocking out Joanna. No, she's only 28. Wow. Yeah, she's young as hell. Her striking continues to sharpen up. She showed good jujitsu. Um, she always looks small when she gets in the cage. Doesn't matter who she's against. She's very. She looks very uh, thin. But the way that she controls distance, the way that she showcases her grappling, she's very much close to a complete package as you can get in this division. But mm-hmm. Re- Welly Zhang is just kind of like a bull in the china shop. And the in Jacek fight showed that I can take whatever you throw at me. Um, Rose is gonna have to nail it with something that she doesn't see coming in order to finish this fight. Otherwise, I think it's it's a battle of endurance. And I think Zhang takes a decision. Um, could be a split, probably unanimous. There'll be a four to one scorecard here. But I think Zhang Zhang's physicality might be too much for Rose to overcome. She's not as physical as Jessica Andrade, but I think. She's just much as much of a bull as you need to dominate this fight. Um, but I wouldn't count out Rose because I, I just love the dimensions of her game, you know, taking away the bullshit she said in these recent interviews. I don't know why she wanted to do that shit. It makes it more difficult know. for me to love her. Because she seems like Doug Rose just seems like an incredible person to get behind. But after that, she just like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm picking Zane to win. I think Zane's winning by decision, though. That's fair. I mean, looking through it, Rose hasn't been stopped since 2014. That submission loss in the tough finale to uh, Carla Esparza. Yeah, she got so game. much better after that. The yeah, only the loss, the Andrade's knockout was, you know, that's that was a freak slam. Like yeah. slammed the fuck out of her. I yeah. don't know if Zane can necessarily do that. But and I then think ran, the ran it back, and yeah. she picked up that one again. But at, I mean, Kovacavich won the decision against her. But that was when Kovacavich was riding super high, and uh, there was really no answer from Rose to that so i'm expecting it to kind of play out more in that fashion and then main event kamaru usman versus jorge masvidal no foot stomping this time that's my prediction there's no foot stomping this time baby there's wrestling and throwing hands give me usman by unanimous decision what what happens different in this fight seriously I don't know if there's anything different Masvidal can do, but I'm not sure if Kamaru can catch him with something to stop him. So I think it'll be more action. They'll be throwing more hands. It'll be interesting, but I I don't know if Jorge can do anything different. Um, I don't know if Kamaru wants to make it a firefight. He could get tricked into something stupid. I mean, he gets clipped and wobbled a little bit every, like once every fight. So Masvidal could maybe catch him with some tricky shit, pull an upset, but I don't see it. I think Usman sticks to his game plan, but lets his hand go a little more, pieces him up, wrestles him maybe two of the five rounds, takes the decision. So I'm picking Usman to win a decision. And for the reason, <clears throat> I can't figure out why they're running this back. And it's all, it's really all money because I, I said this all the time. Masvidal and Nate Diaz are two of the most, um, <clears throat> Successful journeymen in UFC history. Yep. They have, they don't have fantastic records. Uh, Masvidal hasn't beat a top three opponent, and yet he's getting this opportunity against Usman. And this is more a credit to Usman than it is for Masvidal because it pays Usman more to get a high profile fight and prove again that he's the best. But the one thing that you said is something I've been thinking about. Usman knocked out 
Gilbert Burns. And he was really excited by that striking exhibition. Yep. If he falls in love with that against Masvidal, it could put him in trouble. If he decides, you know what? I already beat this guy one time. He shows me what he showed me what he has. I'm going to throw hands with him. If you decide to go that route, you leave yourself open to getting fucked up. And Jorge, I mean, he just has so much experience throwing hands that he has every weapon to catch ass and you don't know what happens. Next thing you know, you're looking up at the world. I mean, Gilbert caught him for a second. He caught yes. his win and then and ended up winning that fight. But yeah, I, I don't know if you want to give Jorge Masvidal that opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's Usman's fight to lose. If he loses this fight, he'll lose it being stupid. Yep. If he fights his game plan, there's no way Masvidal beats him. And I want to see the wrestling. I want to see the mauling wrestling. Yes. So I'm doing it by the numbers. I'm actually recording the script. You know, I've been doing it by the numbers for Sport News. And I was doing some research. Usman has never been outstruck in a UFC fight. Never. Never. And people consider, you know, Masvidal is the striker and Usman is the wrestler. I went and looked and I was like, Usman's never been outstruck. You know how many times Usman has been taken down in his UFC career? Zero. He's never been taken down. Not a wow. single time. This The level of dominance that Kamaru Usman has showcased, he's never been outstruck. He's never been taken down. It's hard, though, because he takes people down. He did regularly. And the ground and pound, when someone's on their back, they can't outstrike you because you're beating the shit out of them. Yeah, he's heavy. Like, his top yeah. control is heavy. But he's never been outstruck. He's never been taken down. So it takes away two of the, thi- the things that you need. The Colby Covington fight. Colby Covington averaged almost five takedowns to fight. Fought Usman, couldn't take him down. And they ended up in a striking match, which actually was competitive, right? Yep. And and Usman, obviously, stronger man, ended up getting the last – finished him off in the last round. What I can't figure out what Masvidal can do unless he, he figures, like, listen, if Usman wants to strike with me, that opens the world up. Otherwise, I'm kind of fucked. I can't, I can't stop the takedown. I can't really – there's not a whole lot that Masvidal can do here except bait Usman into a firefight. Yep. And then the fight could be competitive. So I'm picking Usman to win and just keep climbing up the little pound-for-pound rankings because I don't – if he beats Masvidal again, not to say that Masvidal's a world beater, I'm trying to figure out, like, well, who's going to beat him? Tough spot. Very He's tough. Good. He's that good. Leon Edwards already fought Usman. It was put on his back. I don't, I don't know who else there is. Covington's I, I, I've always wanted to see him against Wonder Boy. Just because of what Wonder Boy did with Woodley and the striking match. And if you stand, you get into a chess match with Wonder Boy. It becomes interesting. Yeah, that, that's the one fight because Wonder Boy, I say it all the time, fluidity and striking. When you have that on your side, you present a whole different dimension of options for an opponent that they didn't think of before. And it's hard to deal with. Like Anthony Pettis knocked out Wonder Boy because Anthony Pettis is a similar kind of striker. Yep. But when Wonder Boy fights those guys, I mean, him and Woodley had a staring match in the rematch. But aside from that, Wonder Boy chops people up. That's the kind of opponent that Usman needs. If Wonder Boy can win another fight and get into a title fight, that's the fight. I don't think Masvidal has much of a chance to win this fight. I think Usman wins. And for whatever reason, because he already beat him one time, but for whatever reason, we're going to start having these conversations. Is he the best welterweight of all time? Even though he's already beat Usman once, they'll have those conversations. So there it is. No, I mean, can't wait to see how it plays out. That fight has a good – I understand you're like, why is he getting this 
opportunity because it feels like a big fight. The last time he was rushed into it, short notice, cool, go out there and let's see what we have. And then it opens up to division to see what the other possibilities are. So it's intriguing. Three title fights. Always love when the UFC does that. Means we're in for a long night, but it should be a long night of really good fights. This was a long show, so we appreciate you guys sticking it out with us. It was fun. We had a lot of good conversations, so we'll make this outro pretty short. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Check out all of our other shows. We'll tweet out all the information that you need. Stay safe out there. We can't wait to see you guys live at an event or brunch, depending on where we are at this summer and when stuff starts to get back to normal. Until Thursday this week when we put out our wrestling show. It's been a while for that. You guys stay safe. Watch versus on Tuesday, Red and Meth. That should be really fun on 420. Great booking on that one. We're out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.